You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So we're starting a series today on uh, the cross and what does the cross mean to us as Christians. Uh, but I want us to, to look at some images of logos and I, I, I want you to ask yourself a question. Uh, do you know the message behind the symbol? Did you know that every, every logo, every symbol usually has a message behind it? Uh, Rob Janoff, uh, who designed the, the, lo- the logo for Apple, uh, he said this. He said, I bought a whole bag of apples, I put them in a bowl, and I made sketches of them for a week. Trying to simplify the details, at some point during my artistic experiments, I took a bite from one of the apples, and later that day, to my surprise, I found out that bite sounds very similar to bite, a computing term, and so that's where the bite in the apple came from. Did you know that? How about Facebook? It, Mike, if you don't mind, bring me my, uh, my phone. Facebook. I never knew this. So... Uh, uh, the, the caricature, or however you say that word, C-A-R-I-C-A-T-U-R-E, is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, what, what, uh, which that word means, it's a picture or description of somebody or something. And if you see the lowercase f, doesn't it look like this? The whole thrust, the whole thrust of Facebook was to have people in their phones. That's what that lowercase f is all about. You'll never look at Facebook the same again. Peter, there should have been another I- image to that. Is there another image with that Facebook image? Well, not, okay. This is, this is the golden arches. You're going to freak out with this. The M stands for what? McDonald's. But the rounded M also represents a pair of nourishing breasts. You never looked at it in that angle, have you? Huh? You'll never look at McDonald's the same again. According, don't get mad at me. I didn't design it. I know some of you guys looking down and saying, what in the world is... According to the design consultant and psychologist... Louis Cheskin, he designed it that way. In the 60s, McDonald was prepared to abandon this logo, but Cheskin successfully urged the company to maintain this brand, this branding, with its uh, Freudian symbolism. Okay? And then we have this symbol. And then we have this symbol. Right? And the, the, the symbol of the cross... And I would say the message of the cross is the centerpiece of our faith, right? 
And the cross is talked about throughout Scripture. Uh, and and, and, and the, the important thing is uh, the disciples were oblivious to what the cross was going to mean when Jesus was t- telling them that he would go into Jerusalem and he would be betrayed and he would be uh, killed. They never knew that it was going to be a cross. But I think what happens a lot of times, I think a lot of, of what happens in modern times is we don't know the message behind the cross and we hold on to the symbol of the cross more than that. And what I want for people to grab a hold of during this series, what I want for us to grab a hold of is that we should not mistaken, we should not mistaken the symbol of the cross for the message of the cross. Amen? We should not get it wrong as far as how important the message of the cross is to us and get stuck with the symbol of the cross. And, and, and here's what the message of the cross was all about, okay? We're, we're going to talk today about taking up your cross and following Jesus. He's going he's to give us that narrative, okay? Uh, but you need to know these very uh, important four things about taking up your cross. The first thing that the cross meant is it meant opposition, A cross was the instrument of execution perfected by the Romans to be used on those who were opposed to Rome and its authority. So the cross always meant opposition. The second thing that the cross meant, shame. Execution on the cross was reserved for the worst criminals who were mocked and stripped of their pride and clothing in open nakedness for everyone To see, the cross was reserved for only those that were not Roman citizens. A Roman could not be crucified. It was reserved for those that were uh, uh, foreigners, for those that were slaves, and for those that were not Roman. The third thing that the cross represents is suffering. The cross was designed to prolong death, and inflict horrible pain to the extreme limits of the human body. And so everyone that went to the cross suffered greatly before they died. It was great pain. It was great shame. Uh, The fourth thing was death. The ultimate purpose of the cross was to take every person to their last and final breath. And crucifixion was perfected by the Roman Empire as the worst of all capital punishments. It was so painful and shameful that, again, it was illegal for any Roman citizen to withstand that, that shame. And so for us, I want us to grab a hold of what, how the, what the cross meant to Jesus, number one, right? And what the cross means to us. Because here's what I, what I, what I know for sure. The cross is more than a piece of jewelry that we wear on our, on, on our necks. The cross is more than, uh, than even uh, a symbol that we have on our churches. The cross is, is willing to abandon everything in life for something that's greater or someone that's greater, and that would be Jesus Christ. And, and so if there's, if there's one takeaway, <clears throat> and I'm going to say this again, if there's one takeaway for every one of you to to, to grab a hold of is don't confuse the symbol of the cross with the message of the cross. Do not get stuck. 
Do not divide yourself from Christendom because of a symbol instead of the message. You see, the message of the cross unites us, first of all, with the Father. But it's also, it also unites us with each other. Amen? And that's not a symbol. The symbol is not what does that. It's the message. It's the person of Jesus Christ that accomplishes that task. So don't confuse the symbol of the cross with the message of the cross. And Jesus, before he even went to the cross, before the disciples ever even understood what the cross was going to be all about, he said these words uh, in, in Matthew chapter 16 is where we find it. And Matthew's chapter 16 is where Peter had gone a revelation from, from, from God the Father when Jesus asked, who do the people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? Right? They said, when they answered about the people, they said, some say you're Elijah the prophet, some say you're the, the, the prophet who is to come, and all these things. And, and he asked them, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the, uh, of the most high God, you are the Messiah. And, and after this, this wonderful revelation, we find that, that Jesus tells them this, this narrative, he speaks to them what I'm, I am about to read and what we're going to base this whole uh, series on about taking up our cross and following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, every person here, Lord God. Uh, I just pray your blessing upon every word that I speak, and I ask, Lord God, that I will be able to communicate this message in a very clear way, in a way that will help us to really understand what the cross is all about. Uh, Lord, we're thankful that you're here. Uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will uh, just make your, your presence known and, and let the name of Christ will be glorified through what we say, through what we hear. And uh, as we leave here, may we glorify his name through understanding what the cross is all about. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So if you have your Bible, you can go to uh, Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to go to verse 24 and read two verses there. And if you don't have your Bible, we'll have it up on the screens, and we'll also have it in your notes. And uh, the, the narrative says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Pretty strong words right there, right? That, that Jesus uh, speaks to, to us, spoke to the early disciples. And, and from that, um, I've got three things that I think will help us to understand what it means to take up your cross. The, the first thing that we need to grab a hold of is the end of me is the beginning of God in me. The end of me is the beginning of God in me. How many of you know that you have to come to the end of yourself before you ever open up your heart to God? You have to be depleted of yourself before you open up your heart for God to come in and fill you with his love and his grace. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him 
or let her deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me. Think about the cross. Think about what it meant. Think about what those, those uh, first disciples, as they heard him say, take up your cross, and they had seen crucifixion happen uh, on, a, uh, on an annual basis and people being crucified, the suffering that people went through, the shame that people went through, the death that people went through. It meant something so much bigger to them that it probably means to us, because to us, what it means to take up your cross is, you mean the cross that's there on the church? Pick up that cross? You mean the cross that I'm wearing here on my, uh, on my, on my neck? You mean the cross that I put on my finger, that, that ring that has a cross in it? You mean that cross or that crucifix that I have on my, on my rearview mirror that every time I'm going on, for a drive, I look at that cross? You mean that cross that as I'm driving by a church that I do the sign of the cross? You know that cross that as I'm shooting a free throw, I do the sign of the cross so that God can give me favor and I can make it? You know that cross... I do the sign of the cross so that when I go up to bat, maybe I can hit a home run and they might give me a bonus after this. It meant so much more to those early disciples than what it meant to us. Jack Hayford put it like this in his uh, commentary in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. Love John Hayford, great man of God. Um, He said this, um, to take up the cross does not mean to endorse some irritating burden, but to renounce self-centered ambitions. Let me go back, because there's, there's more to this. Uh, he, he started, he said this. He said, to deny oneself is not to assume some false external uh, uh, asceticism, exactly, or piety, right? But to put the interest of the kingdom first and foremost in one's life. In other words, it's putting God first above everything else. And it's not uh, uh, being pious. It's, it's saying, Jesus, you're first in my life. And he goes on, he says, to take up the cross does not mean to endure some irritating burden, but to renounce self-centered ambitions. Uh, ambitions such, such sacrifice results in eternal life and the fullest experience of kingdom life right now in the here and now. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So we had this marriage, we had this marriage um, uh, one day conference this Friday and, and if, if any of you were here, uh, you, you, you probably were impacted like, like I was and, and, and Shauna just spoke to our hearts, practical teaching as well as spiritual teaching and understanding uh, how we can make marriage work, how, how we can make relationships work and how many of you know that you have to come to the end of yourself for your marriage or your relationships to work. Amen? How, how many of you know that when you try to get, uh, when it's all about you, that nothing works? And when, the, when we have those selfish ambitions in our life, it doesn't work. And Jesus taught us a different way. He said, take up your cross. And taking up your cross is not something that is forced upon us. It's a choice. It's a choice that each follower of Christ has to make. Uh, it's understanding that coming to the end of me and opening up my heart to Jesus is the beginning of God in me. 
It's a beginning of restoration. It's a beginning of reconciliation with our Father. It's a beginning of reconciling ourselves to, to relationships that are broken here on earth. Because when we come to the end of ourselves, we admit that we need help. And when we admit that we need help and we say, Lord, it's only you that can help us, he begins to pour his life into us. And his life working through us is always a wonderful thing. You see, the end of me is a beginning of God in me. Can you say that to someone? The end of me is a beginning of God in me. You know? But have you noticed that not everyone is, is willing or not everyone is, uh, is, is going to abandon what, what they hold on to in this life? Their substance, what the, the things that, that they rely on. There's a story in the Bible about a rich young ruler. And it must have been important because it's recorded in the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this story. Uh, and, and this rich young ruler, now think, I want you to think with me the context. He's very wealthy, he has everything, and he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to have not only this, not only this, but eternal life? I, I want my life to never end because I kind of like my life the way it is. It's fantastic. But I also, I also want to guarantee that this life is never going to end. You ever thought that way? Us as Americans, we can think that way, Amen. You know, we have, we have, it's nice. We have AC, except that AC keeps going off and on. Do you guys hear that? Can someone turn that off? I hear it. Can someone go? So, so you have, uh, we have AC, we have all these wonderful things that are going on. And, uh, and, and so this young ruler had that mindset. But what do I, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? In Luke chapter 18, verse 22, Jesus answered him. Now, here's the thing. Here's the context. Jesus told them every commandment. He said, follow the commandments. And he told them every commandment except thou shalt not covet. And so he tells that, that young ruler, every commandment except thou shalt not covet. And the young ruler said, I've done all that. I've done all that. And then Jesus says, okay, verse 22, okay, now I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Right? In other words, he's telling them, come to the end of yourself, and you will find your life in me. Right? And you see, Jesus, uh, following Jesus is always hinged with coming to the end of ourselves, which means taking up our cross. And it was something that the young ruler couldn't do. Now, now, here's the thing. God doesn't want your money. There were other places that, that Jesus didn't ask him to go sell everything. That, that wasn't the important thing. This is what had this rich young ruler. There, there are many things that, that try to possess us. For example, uh, it, it could be money. It could be possessions. It could be status. How many of us like for people to really talk highly about us? It could be popularity. It could be relationships that keep us from committing to God. 
And the list can go on and on and on and on. But what Jesus, what God desires from us is for us to abandon those things that we trust in and turn around and begin to trust in him. Because our eternity, beloved, our eternity is greater than everything, anything that we possess in this life. Are you with me? The, the, the monetary, the material blessings, all the things that we acquire, all the things that we have mean nothing in the light of eternity. The prestige, the success, the popularity that we have mean nothing in comparison to what we have in Jesus Christ. And when, when, what you find, what this young ruler would have found is that if he would have given everything, that God would have provided everything he needed, needed and then more. What is it in your life that you are not willing to give up because you think, I can't give this up? That is what God is telling you today to take up your cross and follow him. Die to that one thing. Open up your heart to God and let him begin to live in you and you will have an abundant life on earth. Amen? There's another uh, uh, person in the, in the scriptures that really stood out to me as I was thinking about this text. And his name was John. He was John they called him John the Baptist. And uh, the, the, the rich young ruler, he didn't get it. He didn't understand that, that uh, to abandon everything and to follow Christ was going to be everything for him. But John the Baptist, he got it. Okay? See, God gave John the Baptist influence. In fact, he had so much influence that all of the country, all of Judea, came to him to be baptized. He was very popular in his ministry. He was at the height of his ministry. And his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, were, were, were so excited because everyone talked so great about John the Baptist. The religious leaders hated him, but, the, but everyone else, they loved him. Jesus comes on the scene and John sees him and he says, this is the Lamb of God who takes the sins of the world. And, and, and he said, listen to him. He began to get this revelation that this was the Messiah. So when Jesus came into his life, John the Baptist did something that kind of changed his whole course in his ministry and his life. And he said something that helps us to understand how we take up our cross and follow Jesus. See, John the Baptist said this, he, being Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. You see, in, in our lives, in our lives, beloved, the way that you find success God's way is that he must increase and you must decrease. God has got to become the most important part I've got to become secondary to that. And when you allow that to happen, then you see the work of God begin to move in your life. Um, that's the greatest testimony that I see of John. Not that all the people uh, were baptized. In fact, I went to a, 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 a leaders conference, took the staff on, on Wednesday of last week, I think. We went to this place in Tempe, and this wonderful uh, pastor there was, was speaking. He, he, he was very talking about what God has done through his ministry, and, and, uh, and he, they've baptized 10,000 people through that ministry. Okay, that's not the greatest testimony of a ministry. 
even though that's wonderful, right? The greatest testimony of a ministry is that Jesus always increases and we decrease. Amen? That Jesus is always the one that gets the glory for everything we do. Here's the second thing. What it means to take up your cross is when your loss, it means when your loss becomes your true gain. Right? He must increase, you must decrease, and you find out that your loss becomes your true gain. The great missionary, Jim Elliott, who died as a missionary when he went to Papua New Guinea, his wife Elizabeth, you know, took the mission, uh, ministry over after they killed him. Those, uh, those, those uh, uh, villagers killed Jim Elliott and all his partners as they landed their plane, and, and, they, and they ended up killing them. Uh, they made a movie called The End of the Spear on, on that story. Well, his wife Elizabeth, instead of her leaving Papua New Guinea, she, she stayed there. She went into that village and led that chief of that village and all the villagers to Jesus Christ. And Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You see, Jim Elliott was willing to die for what? The message of the cross, not the symbol of the cross. He was willing to take up his cross and follow Jesus no matter what the cost was. Now, Jim was not trying to die as a missionary. He didn't say, I'm going to go and die. But he settled and he determined that the message of the cross was worth dying for. And here's what I'm going to tell you, beloved. In our lives, do we determine, have we settled that the message of the cross is worth dying for? I think a lot of times we don't even want to be ridiculed for the message of the cross. A question to ask yourself is, who have I shared the love of Christ with this past week? Who have I shared the love of Christ with this past month? Who have I brought into the relationship with Jesus? Who have I crossed the threshold over and, and, and brought them to a living faith in the Savior of mankind. That's what taking up our cross and following him is all about. I think a lot of people get caught in the symbol of the cross without opening up our hearts to the message of the cross because of the message of the cross is powerful. The message of the cross is life-changing. The message of the cross is transforming. And I don't know what's, what tomorrow holds, but I know what today holds. Today holds that Jesus is in my heart. He's in my life. And the power of the Holy Spirit is working in and through me. And he's working in and through each one that will take up their cross and follow him. Jesus conveyed this message to his disciples, but very few understood it. In predicting his death, he said this. He said, truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if this kernel dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And, and, and that is so hard for us to say. That is so hard for us to grab a hold of. That is so hard for us to grasp that we, we really hate this life. We hate what, what is going on around us. We, we hate that there's so much animosity. There's so much prejudice. There's so much uh, yuckiness. Even in political parties, there's, I mean, just think about all of this stuff that's going on all around us. 
you know, racial barriers and, and gender barriers and all of these things that are going on around us. This world, beloved, is not our home. We're passing through as pilgrims. And our job, our task is to share the wonderful news of a Savior who loves people right where they're at. Tonight when I talk to the, 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 the kids and the, the, the youth and the parents and Ray, I will share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because they might keep the symbol of the cross out of the school, but they'll never keep the message of the cross out of the school. Because the message of the cross is not worn, but it's lived. The message of the cross doesn't have a political affiliation. The message of the cross doesn't have a social status. The message of the cross is in every place in the world where the gospel is preached and lived out. And so my question to us at Living Word Chapel is are we living out the message of the cross? Because our loss is actually true gain in our life. When I came to Jesus Christ 26 years ago, I lost every single friend that I had. They thought, dude, you have lost it. I said, no, I actually found it. Dude, you've gone over the edge. No, no, no. I found my way away from the edge. And every one of us, beloved, got to grab a hold of that. When you grab a hold of how powerful Jesus is, how wonderful Jesus is, how gracious Jesus is, it changes everything. Some of you guys hold on to things that are so temporary. Think about it. You won't listen to the words of Jesus because you're following things that are so temporary. You hold on to these things instead of trusting in him who is eternal and understanding that this life is so short. It's so short. I don't even know how I got to 52, except one day at a time. You know, in my mind, I'm still 30. And my body says, dude, you're not. <laughs> right? You're, you're not. And so the reality here, beloved, that's how all of us are. All of us are, are it's just a temporary place. And we're so afraid to lose this, what we have in this world, not understanding that there's more gain that we have in the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. He went on and he said, uh, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Death produces life. Jesus' death was needed for us to find eternal life, and not only et uh, 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 eternal life, but an abundant life, an abundant peace, an abundant uh, 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 grace that we find in God. And, and, and we'll, never, we'll never find God. If you're he in here today, you're new, you'll never find God until you're willing to die to yourself. 
That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, the religious leader, he said, when Nicodemus says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. You see, you're dead right now. You need to, you need to come to the end of yourself and let God breathe new life through faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I tell you, no one will even see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You won't even be able to enter the kingdom unless you're born of water and born of the Spirit. And that's what the cross made possible. The cross makes possible for us to be born again, not born of flesh, but born in the Spirit through the life of God working in us and through us. And that's what taking up your cross is all about. Amen? The third thing that's important to us is finding your worth in Christ. You see, we don't find our worth in a symbol. We find our worth in a, in a person. That, that apple, this apple right here, my worth is not here. I don't find my worth here. There will, in 10 years, probably... There will be another big hit of, of uh, laptops, and someone else will be carrying one of these different, with a different logo right here. We don't find our worth in a logo. We find our worth in a person. I don't even find my worth in, 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 in crosses. Some people might, you know, you get freaked out. Well, why don't we have a cross here? Why don't we have a cross there? Jesus never told us to have a cross in the church. Jesus told us to take up your cross and follow him. Are you with me? There's churches that have crosses exponentially in their, in their place, but they have no people in their seats because nobody's taking up their cross and following Jesus. Don't get hung up on the symbol. Find your worth in a person. Amen? And let him change your life. The early disciples met in the catacombs. They met, they met in the hidden places. The church in China is thriving because they don't let churches, uh, they don't let people build churches. It's thriving. You know why? Because they're taking up their cross and following Jesus. They're, making, they're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in them and they're bringing life change in their own lives and in the lives of others. The Apostle Paul said this from now on in Galatians. I love this. In Galatians is a book about it's Jesus plus nothing because Jesus is everything. So don't, he's, he's saying, you know, it's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus, you know, this or that or, you know, it's Jesus plus nothing. And then at the very end of the letter, he says this, from now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Now, did Paul have the, the holes like Jesus did? No. What he was saying is that I bear in my body, I live this life, I live my, my whole attitude out to take up the cross, to, be, to crucify the flesh, and to follow the Savior of life. I bear on my body the scars that show that I belong to Christ. Let's just ponder that. Jesus said this. He said, what does it profit a man 
What, is a, what did it profit a woman if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? And sometimes people think the soul is like this, this inner place, this, this spiritual thing. The soul is holistically your, your spirit, your body, your life. When Jesus comes back and he, and he raises the dead at the resurrection, he's going to raise our bodies into a new life, our glorified bodies, our soul. We're, we, why would we want to lose this greatness that God has for us, this grandness for us? He said, what does it profit a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give or a woman give in return for his soul? Think about how incredible that is. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to the Corinthian church and he explained his life as an apostle. But it also speaks to us in in, in our life. You know, Paul said, all these struggles that I've gone through, I'm going to read it right now, all these things that I've gone through are because of the cross of Jesus, because I carry my cross. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We're always carrying about in the body of the dying of Jesus. We're always, we're always just really uh, glorifying that Jesus died for us so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. He said, death is working in us, but life is working in you. He said, I, I, I'm willing to die to myself so that life will be produced in you. And can I tell you, there, there's a time period, beloved, there's a time period where, where us dying and pouring life into you is, is, is the season that you're in. But there comes a time in your life where you begin to pour into other people. There comes a time in our life that we stop receiving everything and we start giving it to others. There comes a time in our life that we stop complaining about the things that don't matter. And stop the chatter and begin to pour the life of Jesus into the lives of others. Are you with me? See, you may be in here today and you've been caught up in the things that don't matter. You might be in here and you've been caught up in the chatter. But you need to leave here today caught up in the one who does matter. And the one who never chattered. And the one who brought life into you. Right? The one who said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The one who said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The one who said, it is finished. It is finished. And can I tell you why he finished it? Because he's the only one that could. Did you know that? It's not my cross that'll change your life. It's his cross 
Are you with me? And it's that cross at Calvary that changes people's lives. And that's what God wants to do in each person. Paul again said, he said, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the cross. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God that saves everyone who will believe. The Jew and the Greek and the Gentile and the Mexican and the Anglo and the Italian. It's the power of God that will save everybody. But I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I'm going to tell you something. That if you are not willing to take up your cross, you'll never witness the abundance of God living in you. If I'm not willing to take up my cross and follow him, I will never witness the abundance of Christ living in me. I don't know what's in your mind right now. I don't know, I don't know how you came into this service. Maybe, you know, with, with conflicting thoughts, but I'll tell you right now, Jesus wants to pour his life into you through the Holy Spirit. He wants you to leave here transformed. He wants you to leave here refreshed through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't change your circumstance, but he can change you in your circumstance. And that's what the cross does to us. The cross changes us in every circumstance that we're in. Because here's the thing, that, that we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to, we have to sometimes go through suffering. Have you noticed that suffering really makes us really cry out to God? Have you noticed that? The people that I've heard cry out to God in their greatest cries are the people that are really suffering. God, where are you? I need you. I need you at this time. The cross does some good to us. Amen? Have you ever noticed that when you're shamed... When you're shamed, when people come at you, that you go to the one who never shames us, and that's God. We're going to close in prayer right now. And my prayer is that every one of us, maybe this morning, we're going to leave with a better idea of what the cross is all about. Okay? Do not confuse the symbol of the cross for the message of the cross. The message of the cross is life-changing. The symbol of the cross points us to that. Amen? And next time you go through by McDonald's, you're never going to look at it the same. (laughs) Never. You'll never look at it the same again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross of Christ. In the cross, I see your love that is displayed for me. I find perspective for what truly matters in my life as well as my worth in Christ. Help me to not confuse the symbol of the cross with the message of the cross. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said amen. Let's all stand up and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.